Bibles, if you would, to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 22, we'll continue our study in this wonderful chapter of Scripture, 2 Samuel, chapter 22, and this is a psalm, a song that was written after David had been delivered from Saul and from his enemies. The name of the message is Light and Darkness. Light and Darkness. 2 Samuel 22. Tonight we'll read from verses 20 to 31. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to cleanliness of my hands hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God, for all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him, and have kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore the Lord hath recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanliness in his eyesight. With the merciful thou wilt show thyself mercy, with, show thyself merciful, and with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. And the afflicted people, thou wilt save. Thou wilt save. But thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. So last, or two weeks ago, when we met on Sunday evening, we considered verses 20 to 25 of this chapter. And we saw that those verses speak of Christ. We looked at verse 20, where we considered that this speaks of Christ as, as he's been brought to heaven. He hath brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Now, every, every saint of God can say this too, though, that he's delivered us because he delights in us. But always remember, again, the only way he delights in us, God delights in us, is we're in Christ. We're in Christ. And God only delights in Christ, but he delights in his people who are in Christ. Who are in Christ. He's the head, we're the body. And thus the scripture speaks of Christ being raised by God for our justification. And again, he's seated right now. He's seated right now at the right, right hand of the Father. He not, again, like I said this morning, he's not waiting to rule. He's not waiting to reign. He rules and reigns right this second. And every second into eternity. He rules and reigns. And he's at the right hand of God interceding for his people and ruling in glory and majesty. We also considered how verses 21 to 24 could only speak of Christ as our righteousness is like dirty rags in the eyes of the Lord. And we considered that only Christ has kept the ways of the Lord. It's he who has never departed from the ways of the Lord. We're sinners. We fail miserably, don't we? Even after we're saved, we fail miserably. <laughs> but praise God, our salvation is not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon what Christ did in Christ alone. 
And Christ only is the only one who's kept the ways of the Lord. Christ is the only one who's never departed from the ways of the Lord as our substitute. Again, in all his life, he never once departed from the ways of the Lord. He always did that which was pleasing to the Father. And he did that for us. He did that for us, beloved. And it can only be said of Christ that, that he again did not depart from the statutes of God. He's the sinless one. He's the upright one. He's the perfect one. He's the pure one. Only Christ and Christ alone. Let's look at verses 21 to 24. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him and have kept myself from mine iniquity. Then we considered verse 25, which says, Therefore the Lord hath recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanliness in his eyesight. Again, this can only speak of Christ. It can only speak of Christ. He's, he's the only one who's clean in the sight of God. He's the only one. Even when he was dying on the cross, the scripture says that he offered himself up without spot before God. He's perfect. He's sinless in his life and in his death, beloved. Oh, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So it says, Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanliness in his eyesight. He's the only one who's sinless. He's sinless and and think of this. Think of this. We're, we're sinners in thought, word, and deed. Right? And everything we do is tainted with sin. Everything. Christ is totally sinless. Sinless in thought. Sinless in word. And sinless in deed. Perfect. It's hard for us to imagine that, isn't it? It really is. Because of how we are. But always remember, he's God. He's God incarnate in the flesh. He's bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. He's 100% man, but he's also 100% God. <laughs> oh, what a mystery, isn't it? Oh, what a mystery the incarnation is. It's marvelous. It's absolutely marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. So again, verse 25 only speaks of Christ. Let's read now verses 26 to 31. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful, and with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. And the afflicted people, thou wilt save. But thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. For thou art my lamp, O Lord. And the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God have I leapt over a wall. I've leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all them that trust in him. Look at verse 26. It says, With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with the upright thou wilt show thyself upright. Now God's people are merciful to others. We're merciful to others. We're merciful to us because we've been showing mercy. We've been showing mercy. Brother Mahan used to always say, he said, those who have been showing mercy or, or given mercy, show mercy. It's true. It's true. We're not what we used to be. 
We're not what we used to be. We're new creatures in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. And John brings us forth in the epistle we've been studying on Wednesday night, 1 John. He says that God's people love the brethren. Well, there was a time when we didn't love the brethren. Now we do. Now we do. There was a time when we didn't love the Lord. Now we do. Now we do. John Gill brings forth that those who have received mercy will give mercy when he comments this. He says, one that has received grace and mercy from the Lord and has the principles of grace and goodness wrought in him is kind and merciful to others. Kind and merciful to others. And God shows mercy to whomever he pleases. To whomever he pleases. Turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter 33, and then put your fingers in Romans chapter 9. We see this truth proclaimed both in the Old Testament and in the New. Both in the Old Testament and in the New. God shows mercy to whomever he pleases. And again, this is brought forth in both Testaments. Look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. This is a wonderful truth. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Now always remember that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I used to believe that the God of the Old Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. That's what I used to believe. I don't believe that. God's the same. He's the same. He's unchanging. <laughs> He's unchanging. Same God in the Old Testament, same God in the New Testament. He shows mercy to whomever he pleases. Now let's turn to Romans. Romans chapter 9. Look at this. Paul's writing about how God says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. And then he says in verse 14 of, of Romans chapter 9, what shall we then say? What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? That would be the natural man's response. Look at verse, read verse 13 and 14. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Well, the scripture declares, God forbid. The fact that, I remember this story, and I love this story. There was an old preacher who preached a message and his grandson came in to visit him. He was in the study, and his grandson came in to visit him. And he said, Grandpa, you, you mentioned that the Scripture says that God loved Jacob, but hated Esau. And he says, how would God hate, hate Esau? And he says, Grandson, when you can understand how God could love Jacob, then you have the answer. Isn't that amazing? That's the greater marvel. Because we're all come from the same rock. Right? Oh my. Oh my. Marvel at the fact that Jacob have I loved. If you're a believer, marvel at the fact God's loved us from eternity. From eternity. What shall we then say? Is there unrighteousness with God? Paul writes, God forbid. 
We, we've received mercy. Right? And look what he says here. He brings up what Moses said. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now look at this. Paul adds this. So then it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth. Again, it's not by anything you can do in your mind or by any works that you can do. Right? But of God that showeth mercy. The only reason we are saved and, and other folks are lost is because God has made us to differ and God has shown us mercy in Christ. And that is amazing grace, isn't it? That is amazing grace right there. Absolute amazing grace. Oh my. What a great God. And think of how the everlasting mercy of God, the everlasting love of God for His people is on display in the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ died for us on Calvary's cross. It's on full display, beloved, at Calvary's cross. Our Lord became our surety. And He's the surety of His people from all eternity because He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's who our great Savior is. And He came in time, at God's appointed time. He came into this world to redeem His people. I ask you, is not God's loving kindness on full display in the fact that He did that? Oh, it's wondrous grace. Absolute wondrous grace. His loving kindness for His people is on full display when He did this. Full display. And when He, the Word of God, assumed human nature and went about doing good to the souls and bodies of man, He healed the diseased and fed the hungry and He had compassion on the ignorant and them that were out of the way. Then is our merciful High Priest of His people, He bore the sins of His people. He, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, bore our sins, beloved. And the sword of God's justice was plunged into Christ. In our place, that which should have fell upon you and I who believe, fell upon our Savior, beloved. Fell upon Him. We're deserving of that. But He took our place. He took our place before the law and justice of God. And He redeemed us with His precious blood. Paying the penalty, paying all that God demanded for our sins. It's, let these words ring through your heart and fill your heart with joy. It is finished. Praise God, the believer says. This is wonderful. Wonderful. What a Savior. What a Redeemer. He shows mercy. He's, he's merciful. To whom he'll be merciful. Oh my. Oh my. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Christ, having made full satisfaction for the sins of his people and purchasing them with his blood, God raised them from the grave to show that God's satisfied with his sacrifice. And then he continues to watch over us, doesn't he? He continues to watch over us. He takes care of us. Those he purchased with his blood. 
even when we're in the midst of trials and afflictions and we don't understand, He's ever with us. Ever with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Look what it says here about the sacrifice of Christ in Isaiah 53, verses 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Father to bruise Christ. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. The sinless one dying for sinners. Making himself an offering for our sin. Oh my. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. And it's prosper. He's brought many sons to glory, hasn't he? All his people. And here take every... There will not be one of God's sheep that was given to him by the Father in eternity that will ever be lost because he purchased every single one of them with his precious blood. And what peace that can give the believer in Christ. What peace that can give us. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall, underline this, well, if, if you want to underline, look at this beautiful word, and shall be satisfied. Two words. I love Brother, Brother Henry used to always say. Two words. If you get two words out of the whole message, substitution and satisfaction. Christ is the believer's substitute and God is absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. Oh, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. This is the truth of the gospel. This is the truth of the gospel. Christ was a substitute. He made full satisfaction before God for the sins of his people. He purchased them with his own precious blood. And he's ever with us. Let's read verse 26 again. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 6. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself Upright. Again, let's read the latter part there. With the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. Well, you know what the Hebrew word here for upright means? It means blameless. It means complete. What are we in Christ before God? Blameless. And complete. He's the head, we're the body. This again, speaking of Christ, but we also know that God's people will be presented one day, holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. But God looks upon us now, and he don't see our sin. He sees Christ, beloved. He sees Christ. It's wonderful. Oh, my. Let's read now verses 26 and 27 together. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. So we saw that the Hebrew word for upright means blameless and complete. Well, the Hebrew word for pure here means clean, pure, genuine. Pure, clean, pure, genuine. And we all know that we who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are only pure in God's eyes, right? only blameless in God's eyes in Christ. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. In and through Christ, who is, who is the pure, upright, sinless man. 
God incarnate in the flesh. And again, let us marvel in this. We're only blameless and complete in Christ. It's wonderful. Good news for sinners. Good news. Turn, if you would, to Titus chapter 1, verse 14. And Paul's writing to Titus here, and he pens these words again by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Look what he writes in Titus chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. Titus chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. And again, keep in mind, I'll read the uh, two, two verses over there in 2 Samuel again. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. Or with the, with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. <clears throat> now look at Titus. Titus here in chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of man that turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their minds unconscious is defiled. So we see here, unto the pure, all things are pure. And then we see a contrast. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Even their minds and conscience is defiled. They profess, this is the unbelieving and defiled, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Now the Judaizers, the false teachers, insisted that Christians were still under the law. They insisted that Christians were still under the law, in regard to certain kinds of foods and certain traditions that they had to continue to do, certain washings and purifications as ordered by Moses. But Paul is here bringing forth that those who love Christ and are made righteous by his merit, and that all food and drink is received, if you read the context of this, that all food and drink is received with thanksgiving. And they are not defiled by what enters the mouth. We saw that earlier this morning. In the main message, we saw that too. Our, our master told us that. It's what comes out of the heart that defiles a man, not what goes in. Not what goes in the mouth, it's what comes out. Because what comes out comes from our heart. Comes from our heart. So he's bringing forth here that, that Christ, in Christ alone, the, the, for those who love Christ, they're made righteous by Christ and by his, by his blood, that all food and drink is received with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And they're not defiled again by what comes into their mouth. And again, you read the context of this. But to those who are polluted and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Nothing is pure. For they sin in all that they do. In all that they do. And again, remember that it says, unto the pure, all things are pure. Remember, we're only pure in Christ. We're only pure in Christ, we who believe. But who the polluted and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Nothing. For they sin in all that they do. They gain no merit and favor with God by guarding against their uncleanness. They say, well, well, we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't eat that. We don't drink that. <laughs> and they say it with, of course, an air of self-righteousness with an air of self-righteousness. But their pollution, beloved, is inward of the mind and the heart. 
And again, they're full of sin. And even that which is pure is polluted by them. Now, there's certain things we shouldn't do. Right? There is. There is. And we're taught by God that, aren't we? We're taught by God. We're taught by Him. And there's certain things we won't do around a weaker brother and sister either. Right? Because Paul tells us that. He tells us. Even if we feel we have the liberty to do that, we don't want to sin against our brother and sister's conscience. So we refrain. But beloved, we are free in Christ. We are free in Christ. But again, the love of Christ constrains us from sin. Constrains us from sin. Oh, it's marvelous. It's absolutely marvelous. So in the when it says, but even their mind and conscience is defiled, the mind denotes their understanding. Their understanding, their conscience. It relates to the heart. It relates to their heart. They're defiled. And, and I can honestly say that I remember that state. Looking back now that I'm saved, I remember I was in that state. The Word of God meant nothing to me. I, I didn't know. I had a... I had a thought of who I thought God was, but it turns out he wasn't the God of the Bible. He was a God of my imagination. That's who it was. Oh, my. But when he reveals himself to you, oh, my. What a God. What a Savior is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, he's one. Let's go back to 2 Samuel. And we'll see again these verses bring forth Christ, because only Christ was upright in the eyes of the Lord, and only Christ is pure in the eyes of the Lord. And so marvel at at these words, you who are in Christ. Look at this. Verses 26 and 27. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. So the the true believer in Christ, to the true believer in Christ, God's, God's righteousness is as dear and precious as His mercy and grace. Because it's His righteousness that we're clothed in. It's the righteousness of Christ. It's, it's dear to us, isn't it? It's dear to us. Because we see in Jesus, the God-man, that righteousness which, which God accepts. Which God accepts. And which He's clothed us in. Look at the end of verse 27. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. If a man walks in a forward way and opposes God, if God leaves him in that state, he'll soon find out that God will recompense to him what he deserves. What he deserves. Rebels may boast today. They may scoff at the things of God and his people, but they will find, they will find in that great day that God is unbending. He's unbending in his wrath and he's unbending in his justice. And that, will be, that wrath will be poured out upon them. Poured out upon them. <laughs> and we marvel, don't we? Because we know we're just as deserving of that as, as they are. Mercy. I'll be merciful to whom I'll be merciful. I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion, our great God says. And the believer in Christ, right, says, praise be to God, he had mercy on me. Don't we? Every one of us. Every one of us. What a, what a Savior. What a great God we have. Now let's read verse 28. 
and the afflicted people, thou wilt save. But thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. Now note in verse 28, we see that God's people are afflicted people. Afflicted people. And we who are the redeemed of the Lord, we know this to be true, don't we? We know this to be true. But we've seen, as I've said many times from this pulpit, we've seen the Lord deliver us time and time and time again. And we could just keep going. Because <laughs> we have seen His almighty deliverances for His people. But we also know that these words are true. We know that we're an afflicted people. But, but have you ever thought of this? For God's people, this will be the only affliction we'll ever see. We'll ever see. The only affliction, the only sorrow that we'll ever see. When we get to glory, there'll be no more affliction. There'll be no more sorrow or pain. Oh my. But we are an afflicted people while we're here. While we're here on this, this earth, we're an afflicted people. Often afflicted. We're afflicted with our own sin, aren't we? Oh, we mourn over our sin. We mourn over our sin. We mourn over the corruption of our, of our flesh. And we're afflicted with temptations. We're afflicted with trials. And we're afflicted by the world. Sometimes being persecuted by them. Yet, never forget we were once among them. I love what Brother Henry used to bring out all the time. Never forget the rock you were hewn from. Don't ever forget where the Lord bought you from. Don't ever forget. Never forget the rock you were hewn from. We were once partakers with the world. And we, we at one time partook with them in the afflictions of God's people. I know I did, to my shame. But now he's saved me. Now he's revealed himself to me and to you who believe too. Now we're, now we're among the afflicted people, beloved. <laughs> we're now among the afflicted people. That's the people he saved. But we know again, we know again, that the only afflictions that we're faced are right here on this earth. Are right here on this earth. And we know our life's like a vapor in the eyes of the Lord. Oh my. The people of God went through great affliction. After the crucifixion of Christ, the destruction of Jerusalem, they were greatly afflicted and persecuted by the Jews. Peter wrote two epistles to the afflicted saints of God. And what did he do in each of those epistles? He pointed them right to Christ. <laughs> he pointed them right to Christ, beloved. Oh, God's people are always being, always have been and always will be greatly afflicted and persecuted by the world. David knew what affliction was. He had Saul try to kill him. He had Saul try to kill him. And also later, his own son turned against him. He knew what affliction was. He knew what affliction was. And think of our Savior. Think of our Savior, beloved. He's a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, the Scriptures say. 
He was in all points tempted like we, yet without sin. Yet without sin. Think of the sufferings he went through when he redeemed us from our sins. Think of when the the wrath of God fell upon him, not just for you and I, but for all the elect of all the ages. Oh my. When When you consider what Christ done for us, and I'm not trying to make light of our afflictions, but when we consider what Christ did for us to redeem us, it does make our affliction seem light, even though no one li- I don't like going through affliction, and I know you don't either. None of us like that. But remember, we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Conformed to the image of Christ. But our afflictions are light in comparison to what Christ suffered. What he suffered. Let's read verse 28 again. And the afflicted people thou, thou wilt save, but thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. So note the contrast in this verse. The contrast in this verse is God's people were once proud in our natural state. And we still struggle with sin, don't we? And we still struggle with pride. But we're a people who know now that we cannot save ourselves. We know that. We've been taught that by God. Can't save ourselves. And we know that no one can save us but Christ. He's the only one we can look to. And we proclaim that we're saved by, by Christ and Christ alone. But God will bring down the proud. He'll bring down high looks. Those who look down at others with scorn, you're soon bringing them down. The haughty, you're bringing them down. The Lord abhors a proud look. And one day they will be bought down. They'll be bought down low. And they will quake. They will quake in the presence of the Lord. Let's look at verse 29 now. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Now we know from Scripture that God's word is a light unto our path. And we know that Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the one true light. David pens here that the Lord Jehovah is his lamp. And he, it is he who will be David's light in the darkness. And every believer can say this is so. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 4. We're going to go through a few psalms here quickly. Just a couple. We're looking at a certain verses here. Some verses for us to consider in the Old Testament here. Psalm 4, verse 6. Psalm 4, verse 6. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? The Lord lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Now turn to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. And then we'll go to Psalm 27. Psalm 18. And then Psalm 27. Psalm 18, verse 28. And remember, I'll read the the scripture over in 2 Samuel again. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Psalm 18, verse 28. For thou will light my candle, the Lord my God will lighten my darkness. And remember the darkness we were in. We were in the darkness of sin, beloved. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his, of his dear son. Now look at Psalm 27, verse 1. David pens this. The Lord 
is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? But David pens, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now go to Psalm 97 and then put your finger in Psalm 112. Psalm 97 and Psalm 112. Again, for thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Scripture says here in Psalm 97, 11, Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Now Psalm 112, verse 4. Psalm 112, verse 4. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Unto the upright, we know that we're only upright in Christ, there arises light in the darkness. Remember our verse, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Now turn, if you would, to Isaiah 60 verses 19 to 21, and I'll read Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, which says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And then look at this in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 19 to 21. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. And thy God, thy glory, thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting life, and the days of thy morning shall be ended. Thy people also shall be all righteous. Look at that. All righteous. And that's in Christ. For they shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my plantain, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Now turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. So we've seen that in the Old Testament proclaimed, how the Lord is our light. I'll read our verse again. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed unto Galilee. Now let's go down to verses 14 to 16. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. To them which sat in the region and shadow of death, Light has sprung up. Oh, my. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then over in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah proclaimed this about our Lord. In verses 78 and 79. Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. And remember the darkness we were in. We were in the darkness of sin. We were groping around in the dark. And in Luke it says this, 
verses 78 and 79. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So God's elect among the Jews who were not only in a state of unregeneracy like our natural state, they were also in a state of darkness, ignorance, and unbelief just like we were before the Lord saved us. Let's look at our verse again. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord... Lord will lighten my darkness. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Thou art my lamp, O Lord. Jehovah. It is he who guides us. It is he who directs our path, beloved. As we walk in the darkness of this world, we walk in the darkness of the world, we who are the children of God, we need to be directed, don't we? And we need to be guided. We do. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been in a room or in a place where it's pitch black? Where it's pitch black. Have you ever been there in a room like that in your life? I've been there a few times where it's just absolutely pitch black, where the the moonlight isn't even showing, and it's just pitch black. And have you ever been in a place where you're you're waving your arms, or you're, or you're, you're going like this so that you don't bump into a chair, right? We all do that, don't we? Because it's so dark, even though you're in your house and you're familiar with things, next thing you know, you're bumping into something because it's it's pitch black. So we always put our hands out in front, don't we? Or or often, you know, when it's dark and you don't want to wake up wake up uh, your wife or your husband or your kids, you're you're you grope around for the door frame. I've done that before. Have you done that before? And then you you know, we do. So we don't walk right into the door frame. But we can't always see it, but we know it's there, don't we? We know it's there. But we're groping around. We're groping around. Oh, my. So the metaphor of this verse here, the metaphor of this verse is, is founded upon, uh, Gill says, the depressing nature of darkness and the delightfulness of light. Now, when we got the light on, we can see where we're going, don't we? We can see what's ahead of us. We can see. And so the contrast is made between the two here. Between the two. Solomon pens these words. He says, truly the light is sweet. And a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. To not be in darkness. To behold the sun. And so the presence of the Lord removes all the gloom of sorrow and enables the believer to rejoice with exceeding joy even amidst the trials and afflictions that we go through. Now at first we may, we may, we may complain and we may at first, but the Lord always has a way, right, of bringing us to look to him, doesn't he? All the time. All the time. And in the, as we're looking to him, the trial or the affliction doesn't seem as hard as it once did. Because he, remember, he's given you grace and strength to get through that. To get through that. Let's turn to Job chapter 33. Job ch- chapter 33. I'm going to read you a quote by Spurgeon while you're turning there. 
Spurgeon brings this forth, the lighting of a lamp is a cheerful moment for the winter's evening, but the lifting up of a light of God's countenance is happier, far happier. It is said that the poor in Egypt will stint themselves of bread to buy oil for the lamp. So they would, they would short themselves in bread to eat just to get oil for their lamp so they could see at night. And then Spurgeon goes on and says, we could well afford to part with all the earthly comforts if the light of God's love could but constantly gladden our souls. Oh my. Look at this in Job chapter 33 though. We'll read verses 18 to 33, knowing that the Lord is the one guiding and directing our steps too. The scripture says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And we know that the only man that is Christ and we're, we're, we walk in Christ, don't we? We walk in him. Look at this in Job 33, verses 18 to 23. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain, so that his life abhorred bread and his soul dainty meat. His flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen and his bones that were not stick out. Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand, to show unto man his uprightness. So we see here someone on, on the affliction. They're being inflicted. And sometimes we go through afflictions and sickness and sorrow or depression. And it, it, it's used, beloved. It's used to show us how the Lord graciously works. And sometimes we cry out. Sometimes we cry out. Why is this happening to me? We do, don't we? Sometimes we do. And, and as one commentator said, sometimes we say, what have I done to deserve this? Oh, my. But we see in God's word that we're to look to our Savior. We're to look to our Savior during those times. And to know that he is ever with us. And the preaching of the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace brings that before us will point us to the great physician, the shepherd of your souls, the one who is a light for your path, even through the darkness of life. And then we have unfolded before us, through the scriptures, the great design of salvation in Christ. The great design of salvation in Christ, and that which was purposed by God. And, and then we see the whole process, as the Lord reveals it to us, of divine love and unfolded before us. For the one who trusts Christ, the one, who, and, and, and as a result of that, we find rest and comfort, rest and comfort amidst the storms of life, as we hear the sweet voice of pardon through Christ. Now, with that in mind, look at verses twenty-four and thirty, and we see here how the Lord graciously works as we are brought out of the pit that we were in, and we're enlightened with the light of the living, which. Think of this back in our text in 2 Samuel. It says, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Now let's read verses 24 to 33 here. Then he is, then he is gracious unto him, and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Is that not the cry of every believer? I found a ransom. That's Christ. His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. 
He shall pray unto God, and he will be favorably, favorable unto him. And oh, how favorable has God been to us in Christ. And he shall see his face with joy, for he will render unto man his righteousness. He looketh upon man, and if any say, I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from going down into the pit. Oh my. For his, and his life shall see the light. His life shall see the light. Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man to bring back his soul from the pit. Look at this. To be enlightened with the light of the living. <laughs> Born again by the Holy Spirit of God, beloved. Mark well, O Job. Hearken unto me. Hold thy peace and I will speak. If thou hast anything to say, answer me. For I desire to justify thee. If not, hearken unto me. Hold thy peace, and I shall teach thee wisdom. And oh, he's taught us the things of Christ, hasn't he? God's taught us the things of Christ. And the born-again, blood-washed believer, our souls are ravished with Christ. Absolutely ravished with Christ. And he's delivered us from going down the pit, hasn't he? We were in a pit, and he rescued us. From that pit of sin. And when you see a pit like that, it talks like about one of those pits they, they, uh, they would throw people in during Jeremiah's time, and it was a, a miry kind of pit, miry clay and all that, and, and they throw you down there, and if you tried to climb up, it's miry clay and mud, muddy water, and you just slide right back down. The only way to get out of that pit is help must come from above. Help must, and helps come. We were in that pit, weren't we? And help came from above, didn't it? Oh my. Oh my. We've been delivered, beloved. We've been delivered. Praise God. Praise God. And our only ransom is Christ, who is our light in darkness. I ask you who are redeemed, is Christ not the fairest among 10,000 to you? Oh, he is, isn't he? Now, who's the interpreter? Well, surely it's God the Holy Spirit who teaches us and guides us and points us to Christ, in Christ alone. The sent one, the one who's sent by the Lord Jesus Christ to guide us into all truth. All truth. Let's close with looking at something in Isaiah 54. Let's turn there. Which speaks of the people of God. And look in all what God says to his people here. Isaiah 54. We'll read a few verses here and then we'll close. Isaiah 54, we're starting verse 5. For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, eh? The God of the whole earth shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman, forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. And oh, what great mercies we've been showing, beloved. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. Look at that. 
That's only through Christ, eh? That's only through Christ. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. O thou afflicted, oh, we remember, remember, the people of God, the afflicted, will he save? O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make thy windows of agates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. Who teaches us? The Holy Spirit. Right? He guides us right to Christ. Right to Christ. And the great shall be the peace of thy children. Oh, what peace we have. We have peace with God in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at this. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and bringeth forth an instrument for his work. I have created the waster to destroy. Now look at this verse 17. I saw this and I was just shouting. Look at this. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And look at this, look at this little phrase right here. And their righteousness is of me. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Their righteousness is of me. Saith the Lord. What are we clothed in? The righteousness of Christ. Oh my. That latter part of that verse, may that warm your soul this week. The righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to look in thy word. And oh Lord Jesus, we know that our righteousness only comes from thee, oh Lord. We who are your people, we who are redeemed and purchased by thy blood. We know that our own righteousness is like filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord. But oh, the righteousness that we receive from thee, O Lord. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. It makes us acceptable before God. We can stand in God's presence, and we marvel at that. We marvel at this truth that we've looked at tonight. May we think upon it this week. May we meditate upon it, and may it comfort our hearts and souls. In Jesus' name, amen.